What up, witches? Thanks for downloading our podcast, This American Horror Story. This is our review for the ninth episode of American Horror Story Coven, which was called Head. It also seems to be the show's first full-on attempt to deal with the racial conflict continuously being brought up in the conversation. The narrative really picked up in this episode, though, which is great. And Frances Conroy is fantastic as Myrtle. Why hasn't she been nominated for an award yet? As always, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook. All right, let's go. Hello and welcome to This American Horror Story, friends, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my buddy and co-host, Chris Husted. What's up, Tyler? Woo! Not too much, man. This is the last episode we're going to have for a while. It's kind of sad. Yeah. But, uh, mid-season uh, finale. Yeah, we got, to, well, kind of mid-season. I guess it's a little, even a little past mid-season, but it'll give us some time to sit back and stew on everything, I guess, over the break here. Yeah. Um, obviously a big episode, some real shit going down. I'm excited to talk about it. Dude, uh, before we get it, it went down. <laughs> we finally had some motion on a lot of storylines. This is exciting. Yeah, we got some closure, which was, yeah. you know, closure is important. <laughs> um, <laughs> before we begin, uh, what are you drinking this evening? Uh, I'm having a Tyler Mo- Moss, uh, classic right here. I'm having some cider with some, a little splash of bourbon in it. Look at you. It's freezing, man. It is so cold. <laughs> it is very cold. Uh, I myself am going pretty festive here. I'm just finishing up a uh, eggnog and bourbon little cocktail oh. here. So we're both feeling pretty festive, it seems like. Happy holidays. Happy buddy. holidays to you, too. Happy holidays to you, too, listeners. Before we dive into quick here, as always, we want to remind you to check us out on uh, Stitcher and on iTunes. Um, where you can rate us and leave us critiques, reviews, all that kind of good stuff. And, of course, uh, on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstorypodcast. And you can email us questions and comments at thisamericanhorrorstorypodcast at gmail.com. And we got those coming in quite often, so we appreciate that. Keep them coming. It gives us a lot to think about. Speaking of which, let's talk about a few of those before we dive in. First of it. all, um, one quick correction I want to make from a discussion we were having last episode um, our buddy Lino on Facebook made the point that Kyle, the, we're debating, you know, of the people Misty brought back to life, why Kyle was so screwed up and everybody else, you know, bounced back real quick, you know, like Myrtle and stuff like that. And he made the point that Kyle, again, was brought back by Zoe Madison's spell, not by Misty. So I think that was a real good point to make that we totally forgot about. And that definitely explains why he was acting all zombie-ish while everyone else was, you know bounce back so quickly um a couple more things i wanted to say real quickly our friend heidi in boston made the point that um when nan was going over to joan and kyle's kyle no sorry joan and luke's luke yeah uh and hank was waiting in the car getting ready to shoot up the place trying to hit nan um she shouldn't she have heard hank's thoughts uh, and I thought this was an interesting thing to maybe consider exactly how Nan's powers work. Do you have any theories on this? Right. It's really hard. It's like the rules in uh, horror movies. It's like the rules in superhero movies. They kind of have to be strict. Otherwise, anything goes and it, the 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 audience will just kind of lose faith in whatever storylines are happening. And I didn't really even consider Nan not being able to hear uh, Hank next door. So maybe... We haven't really learned much about Nan's power except that she's clairvoyant and she can hear voices in houses nearby. So I don't know if Hank knows a way to protect himself from this power uh, like Magneto would do from Mm -hmm. uh, Professor Xavier or uh, if there's or or if this is just a lapse in judgment on the writers and it's easier to just not have her pick up on Hank being there. If I was I mean. Obviously, we want to, as you know, fans of the show, we want to believe that the writers thought of everything. So, assuming totally. that is the case, the way I would approach this, we got to keep in mind a couple things. First of all, that Hank has been living in the witch house for a long, 
excuse me, for a long time. So then you would also have to wonder, why didn't Nan pick, you know, she picks up ambient sound. We know that she can't oh, yeah. filter things. She, she wears the right. headphones. She just absorbs things from everywhere. So she would have heard Hank's thoughts when they were living in the house, right? So totally. I, my only, I, I like to think, or I, after thinking about this a little bit, that kind of like you were saying, you know, he comes from this sacred order of witch hunters that they have some capability, just kind of like Fiona did, of... Um, putting up a fence maybe up around their thoughts and kind of only letting people who are clairvoyant see what you want them to see kind of. Right. So she was able to block these thoughts to some degree, or he was able to block these thoughts from Nan, and maybe that explains it. Um, so I thought that was a good point, though. It was an interesting thing to consider and talk about. Another great point we had is we had debated why Misty passes out after um, reviving Joan or once she's right. been when shot Fiona by rolls her eyes hella hard at, at her. <laughs> right. Oh, and, I love that. Uh, we didn't really understand why, but we had a, a listener on Facebook make the connection that this is not the first time we've seen Misty faint from reviving something. When the first time we see her do it with a bird at the right. outdoor preacher service, she passes out before the people freak out and burn her at the stake. That's right. And so this listener had the theory that potentially she just faints uh has something to do with being near very religious people um which i think is an interesting theory do you have a pickup any other guesses as to why you know what that connection could have to do with anything i hadn't until i mean that is from heidi that good job heidi uh no i I don't think that one was from heidi that was from someone else on facebook and i oh i just came from today what's that you gave them their name i know i apologize i need to look look that up but uh as we begin, okay. Well, as I look it up, tell, talk anyway, about, I, I, talk I about the opening. I don't scene. have, yeah, I don't have any ideas on that, and I hadn't really even remembered that she fainted until you brought it up. And it maybe has something to do with some type of energy or evil and good, or you know, well, obviously we don't in in this world what actually um, constitutes evil and what's what's good is very ambiguous in 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 especially in uh uh ryan murphy and brad falchuk's world but in, in the coven here which uh traditionally and historically people would deem is in, in the religious uh, uh perspective that witchcraft is evil mm-hmm. but here you know the tables have kind of turned a little bit so maybe it's just the opposite energy power that would really like cause her to waste or like waste her energy so much that she passed out i I, i'm not really certain but i think there is a good that's a good uh uh, pickup that the two times that we've at least seen happened it's been around religious people right and so that was our friend jason on facebook and he had made the comment it happened you know we'd seen this before and notice how both incidents occurred around super christian characters this may be a clue so i think that was a really good pickup we want to give you a shout out for that that was awesome. So, they, once again, thanks for sending that stuff in and posting it on Facebook. We really enjoy talking about it and um, discussing it here on the show. So, with that, let's move on to the actual episode itself. This episode right. was called Head. Head. Um, takes on a couple meetings, I think, in this context. Uh, the theme of this episode is Head. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm intrigued to start talking about this. Uh, anything you want to say kind of before we jump into this opening well, no, let's just go ahead and talk about the opening scene. So, sure. let's paint a picture here. We basically get what I would call a Hank origin story. Um, also, I want to point out that this reminds me of, I think it's like a Ford commercial or something they have going on right now, where like a dad and son are out in nature like camping together, and it's all sentimental and stuff like that. And they kind of make us feel like that at the beginning, where they're like, Hank totally. tries Father coffee for the trip. first time. And, mm-hmm. and it's like a uh, very... Calm and cozy, you know, it's it's heartwarming at the beginning before we realize what the hell they're really doing. Right. Well, the scene gets set, camping, tent, Ch- I think it's Chattahoochee, 1991. Was it 1991, it said? I think it was 91, yeah. Yeah, so Lil Hank is probably, I don't know, he looks like he's 10, 11 years old, which means he's, you know, early 30s in, in the in the present time. But, uh, yeah, we see them hunting, and uh, the whole time... As soon as we hear Hank and they're talking about hunting, I'm I'm trying to think like, is this gonna is this a, a red herring here? Are we gonna see them actually hunting for deer or something, or are we really gonna get a witch in this scene? 
Yeah. And of course it's American Horror Story, so we're going to get a witch. And we find out that they've been, he's from a family of descendants, or he's a descendant from a family that they've been uh, hunting witches for generations. Right. So I think at least, I mean, well, you know, this scene to me was building, you're not asking me, but I'm just going to keep going with this. You're, <laughs> the scene is really building into that, this little Hank here. Will he or won't he kill a witch? Obviously, this is his first trip out. His dad's coaching him on it. He gives him a little coffee with a little bit of punch in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're about to find out what kind of person Hank is uh, as a child. And that's the, uh, does he have mercy in his heart or does he not? Is he unmerciful? Is he like his dad who seems a little ruthless? Well, and his dad even says at one point that, like, I was like you when I was a kid, too. So it seems like maybe something that needs to get uh, ingrained into you a little bit more, although we learn later on that potentially this never actually happened with Hank. So, assuming the witch hadn't shot the fire out at Hank, assuming Hank's dad hadn't jumped in and shot the witch himself, do you think Hank would have finished the witch off? With no. his dad there, like, no? No. I don't I'd think he would have. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I mean... You know, maybe Hank at thirty would finish it off now, but yeah. this as his first experience. You know, how many kids go fishing and don't want to touch the fish when they when they when they reel it in off the hook? You know, it's kind of a growing up um, uh, thing that that every kid has to deal with, and that's you know taking a life if you're going to go hunting. Yeah, um, and the dad kind of gives him a pep talk, not that great of one, but just more of a "this is your duty" type of a pep talk, but. You know, we we get we we become uh, involved in the uh, pivotal moment in uh, Hank's upbringing. That's kind of determines what kind of witch hunter he's going to be. Even though it seems like one in however many he ends up doing in his life, this is kind of the pivotal one that sets the tone for what kind of a hunter or what role he'll play in the witch hunting family uh, in the future. Right, and I mean this is. Uh, clearly the most we get about Hank at any point in, in the series yeah. so far. I was excited. Um, yeah, you? it's like, exciting. No, I totally was. Getting a little bit of, I mean, we do have Background in, on a peripheral character is always kind of fun and surprising. I agree. We spent some time away from our more main storylines being, we didn't our spend ladies. that much time with Fiona this time, really. We didn't spend that much time with the younger witches, really. This the main focus of this episode was kind of Hank and Cordelia and Myrtle and, um... Love, oh, really? A little bit of uh, um, Queenie of and Joan. Oh, and oh, of course, and yeah, Re- and really, Joan everyone too. just had little little parts throughout the whole thing, but except Hank, yeah, Hank, Hank was kind of the thread through most of it. Mm-hmm. And so, considering that, I want to follow the Hank thread for a while before we kind of jump back to everything else. So, we let's now go to modern times in Atlanta. Well, Where I want to Hank... ask you something, okay, which you usually yeah. ask me. Like, what do you think? So this is our cold open. What, mm. what, what, what's the purpose of getting this scene right up front? Well, I mean, obviously considering how the episode ends, it makes sense that we're starting with Hank and kind of Hank's indecisiveness and um, real kind of un- unsure about his role as a witch hunter and you know his part in that legacy and everything like that. But I think it also kind of sets up a different, a, I want to say a bigger conflict than even we, you know, we've realized existed between the voodoo witches and the coven, which is this even more historic battle between witches in general and witch hunters. Right, right. We go from this smaller, like, microcosm to the bigger uh, war, not these little mini battles inside but the bigger war between witch hunters and witches yeah mm-hmm. um i agree i agree the only other thing i would add in is that i think we're supposed to sympathize with hank a little bit here i mean not that mm-hmm. we ever like hated him we obviously knew sometimes he was kind of a dick and he killed that one witch that we saw mm-hmm. but here i think we're supposed to see him innocent and realize that he didn't really choose to go to become a witch hunter it kind of was uh, preordained for him because of his uh, family. Right, exactly. And I think that's an interesting point to make, too. And something interesting to think about when you're thinking of, you know, villains. How much yep. is, you know, how much is choice and how much is, uh, I guess, 
and this is something we've talked about a lot in American Horror Story in general and in this season, nature, kind of nature versus nurture, the culture around you, how that influences you versus who, you, whether or not you're an actual evil person inside. And I think maybe what this scene is trying to tell us about Hank is that, you know, obviously how you're brought up plays a pretty huge role. Right, but you Although can't he really does deny... Yeah. Yeah, but you can't really deny parts of your inherent nature. Sure. Like, he cannot, in the end, he cannot take out Cordelia. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, let's modernize now and come back to modern day in Atlanta. Hanks in Atlanta visiting uh, the corporation, also known as uh, Delphi? Delphi. Delphi, yeah. This formal headquarters... I, before before you go into this scene, I just got to throw in the, the orchestral music that's playing throughout this is so formal and fancy. It's uh, It was pretty pretty uh, good job uh, done by, um, I think the director in this is Howard Deutsch. So we've had him in a few episodes before. But anyway, so I well done on that. Good use mm-hmm. of music. I love the use of music in this episode. And I want to say that I also loved like the country club atmosphere. Like, excuse me. Yeah. You know, Wood old, paneling. Old rich guys. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that you realize here, as he's going into like this witch hunting headquarters, witch hunt this witch dynamic. Witch hunters versus witches is just a battle of men versus women, pretty much. Except for, of course, that one um, guy on the council who dies, <laughs> the little yeah, guy. Um, right. But other than that, it's it's pretty much straight men versus. Yeah, that's women. a good point. It's a gender divide there. We've got racial divides, and now we have a gender divide. Also, I just wanted to point out. Delphi has significance. Um, it was it's a Greek city and was believed to be determined by Zeus when he sought to find the center of Grandmother Earth. He sent two eagles flying from the eastern and western extremities, and the path of the eagles crossed over Delphi, where the Omphalos or navel of Mother Earth was found. So it's supposed to be kind of the center of the earth, center of the earth was hmm. the site of an oracle, the most important oracle in classical Greek uh, literature. And became a major site for the worship of the god Apollo. Um, and once again, I just want to say, I mean, we brought, mentioned multiple times kind of the allusions to Greek mythology in this season. Whether it's the Minotaur or, uh, you know, a million other things. And so, I think that's interesting. I don't know if you can draw any significance from that as far as, I don't know. I, I think if anybody, any listeners have input on that, we'd love to hear it. But interesting connection. Um, with his continued kind of Greek mythology illusions. But anyway, uh, Hank's father is the CEO of this corporation, this witch hunting corporation. And he's not happy with Hank's progress in New Orleans, not taking out these witches fast enough. I mean, hell, he's been hanging around married to Cordelia for a long time now and hasn't done much. So, not very pleased. Also, Hank himself doesn't seem very pleased because it seems like his dad is like picked a successor who is maybe a little bit more cold-blooded, not as sloppy, um, maybe doesn't uh, hesitate when pulling the trigger, you know? And so we get the impression that Hank is not entirely happy with that and, you know, wishes that he was second in command. Yeah, Hank Hank is coming across in the scene as a little childish, a little innocent, kind of like mm-hmm. we got earlier on. His dad's scolding him for being sloppy on that one kill. Um but he t- like I mean, we we get what his what his father's ultimate plan with with Hank was, which he was supposed to just infiltrate, and he was the information gatherer. So it makes me think that like throughout Hank's upbringing, he wasn't good at killing witches. So this was he was kind of relegated to this role as the uh, spy, the, the, almost, Im- the embedded worm, spy. The yeah, 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 right, exactly. And they make another interesting th- uh, line here where. Hank says something to his dad about how he thought the corporation was about, you know, witch hunting, not about being a financial institution. And his dad says, the hunt isn't only about the kill. A good hunter stalks his prey with care. What do you think his dad was trying to say with that line? Right, that I didn't, I didn't think that related at all. When that came out, I was like, that's just saying words to say words. Yeah. Did you have a... It didn't make sense to me, uh, you know. And I was really trying to think of how that pertains to the situation. Why that has nothing to do with making money off of them, and we don't know how they would make money off of them. So I we don't I yeah we don't know where the we don't know where their money's coming from. <laughs> right. I I mean I assume that his point was essentially just that like 
it's not as easy as it's not like a mass slaughter. You have to be right. Um, right. tactful when going about it, and like you know, you if you just slowly pick witches off one by one, they're going to go into hiding and be a lot harder to find. You have to have more of these intricate plans and like really understand and get to know your prey. And he was basically emphasizing the importance of uh, Hank's job doing the mold stuff. Right. But again, that, I, I agree. That, that makes sense. That. But I, again, I agree. I think that could have been conveyed better, and we still don't know how they're making money. Um, but the corporation we find out is basically an ancient brotherhood, pledged in blood, determined to stamp out witchery. They say they. Um, I think they even say that they existed before the Salem witch trials or anything like that. So yeah, very historic. Um, yin to the Coven's Yang. And but we've we've got a a, a huge piece of information uh, and the mystery that we've had and we've been asking all along our podcast uh, a big mystery in this uh, in this season so far when we we finally get the answer to who threw the acid in Cordelia's mm-hmm. face right exactly and it is well we don't know exactly who, well, who did it but we know who commissioned it <laughs> it's commissioned by the corporation so we're assuming it's right. some witch hunter within the corporation right and so we had all these you know fantastical theories that maybe it was fiona it was myrtle it was joan next door but it turns uh-huh. out it was the witch hunt or it was lebeau but it turns out it was the witch hunters and they all seem to wear these like hooded like they're yeah uh you know uniform is these hood you know um giant hoods basically they kind of look like monks almost in the in the mm-hmm. big giant hoods um yeah but we find out that that's the person who blinded cordelia because the idea behind it was to make cordelia dependent excuse me dependent on hank which clearly right. backfired when she got that kind of clear that special from. power yeah right but uh the dad doesn't want cordelia or doesn't is afraid that hank is falling in love with cordelia yep and we think and i mean it looks pretty evident he is or has or cares about her at least. I'm pretty convinced that he he actually does love her, and that was yeah. part of the issue. But we can debate that more later as we continue. Um, also, like I I thought it was inter- like it was a good good um, directing work to zoom in on the dad's kind of mutilated hand as he's like mm-hmm. making these points and stuff mm-hmm. like that because it's basically emphasizing to Hank like the sacrifice his dad made to like save him from the witch way back in his childhood. Yeah. So. This is a little off topic, but it, it is in line with the Hank storyline, so follow with me here. Back at um, La, La Lurie's, or sorry, Laveau's salon, we know that Fiona comes back, brings La Lurie's head with her, tries to basically make a treaty with Laveau, and Laveau says, not having it. Witch hunters don't go after the tribe; they go after the coven. Which it's not really clear She's, why that's she the said case. It's a, she said it's a white uh, white witch problem. Right, it's not really clear why she thinks that the why that is the case, and obviously it doesn't end up being well, that think, way in the end. Uh, I think that we know why it's the case because she knows it's Hank because Laveau hired Hank to take him right. also. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's not clear like why. I don't. I thought she was implying historically it's been a oh that what, could be that know, right. That could be it. So I don't know if maybe they just have a historical conflict we're not really familiar with or whatever. Um, uh, well, I guess if the, I think they were kind of implying originally that the witch hunters were located up in the northeast where the Salem Coven was, so it makes sense that they were initially, um, basically their their initial conflict started with the Salem Coven instead of the ones down kind of you know the voodoo witches. So maybe that explains it. But anyway, uh, La Lori's head is brought back. Uh, Fiona wants to make a truce. Laveau says. Fuck that, basically, and tells Queenie to go burn LaLaurie's head in the backyard. And, and LaLaurie's like, please, thank you, Lord, like, burn me and let me die. Yeah. And I gotta so, say, the three of these ladies, uh, um, Jessica Lang, Angela Bassett, and Kathy Bates, all together, almost all whole, <laughs> in one room was fantastic. I love the three of them just chewing up a scene like this. They're so good with each other. Excellent. For sure. Although I think a scene by Francis Conroy that I want to talk about. Oh yeah, a while Whoa, was, that just slays it. Was yeah. the star scene of the of the episode. Yeah. Hands but, down. So also Queenie has compassion and saves Lallery's head. 
and brings it up to put it on the table and basically just said she's going to torture Lollary by making her watch like all these historic african-american films and stuff like that it starts roots. putting on roots gonna, uh-huh. yeah all eight hours of it that was that was fantastic she was an educator she and for lalaurie it's like torture worse than being buried in that coffin alive underground right. for years. this whole this whole scene is i mean they are the odd couple in this uh in this season it's so fun like them in the drive-thru them now when she brings the burgers in she's like oh what is that and uh she's in um Queenie's like, well, I don't know. You don't got a stomach. What are you going to do? Like, shit it out of your head or something like that? <laughs> yeah. It's so, they're so good together. Queenie, and, and I, I, Queenie's good. Uh, sorry, Gabourey Sidibe is good, but I think Kathy Bates just, she's, she's perfect. She's perfectly over the top and hilarious. They've got a good dynamic, and I thought it was very funny when Queenie leaves and LaLaurie starts singing, pick a bale of cotton to drown out yeah. the <laughs> roots um, on the TV. So when, when she's saying, um, when Queenie's like saying, all right, I'm going to play Roots for you, I'm going to educate you on, on uh, all this, I'm going to play uh, Mandingo, I'm going to play the color purple, and then she, she throws in, and then I'm going to play my favorite for you, Baps, which I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but uh-huh. it is with Halle Berry. It's probably... Uh, I would say late '90s, maybe, um, and it's black. BAP stands for Black American Princesses, I believe, and it's it's just so it's it's I don't know it's ridiculous film, but I love it. That's Queenie's favorite. Also, I thought about this. How funny would it have been, and Meta would it have been if she had said, uh, and also I want to. Uh, either play this book on tape or play the movie Precious. <laughs> Precious. Novel based, by on, Sapphire. based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that oh, would God, be fantastic. So good. But, too, uh, but that's too much, probably. Maybe, but I I wouldn't have put a pass for like Ryan Murphy and those yeah. guys to like throw that kind of tongue in cheek yeah. stuff in the script. Anyway, this whole scene, I I actually really I wish I had my DVR so I could just rewound it, watch it one more time through because it was pretty damn funny. Yeah. No, it was really good. And um, you can see that she care, they care about each other still, you know. Uh, I think which, we we get at the end here, which I'm yeah. just about to get to. So Hank gets voodooed by Laveau and basically gets this message from her that he needs to do the business and kill yeah. the witches tonight. I have a question for you for you before we go further. At this point. I wrote this in all caps. After he's getting pinpricked with the voodoo doll and, all, and that guy shows up. And why are all these people depending on Hank? Why would you ever hire Hank to do this job? He clearly sucks at his job. He's not <laughs> good at killing witches. No. Why do people keep trying to get him to do this? Clearly he's not going to do it. He's not good at this. Well, yeah. Did you as check long as his references? No. <laughs> well, I guess we can assume that Laveau doesn't know that many witch hunters. So maybe she just was like... Hank just assumed he was better to, yeah he no he's not he's no good uh until the very end here where he pulls a curveball yeah. and that's how he ends up being pretty good but so she threatens him we get the feeling that he's going to go and basically destroy all the witches back at the salem coven we even get this scene of him prepping all the weapons and stuff like that the night is you know the hour of death is, is coming up quickly Back at uh, Laveau's place upstairs in Queenie's room, LaLaurie tells Queenie that she kept her eyes closed through all the roots. <laughs> and Queenie <laughs> says, yeah, but you heard it. Yeah. And basically, LaLaurie is like, why, why are you torturing me like this? Why do you keep doing this? And Queenie's like, because you're not learning anything. You're still be like... You're still being a bitch, a racist bitch after all this. So, like, absorb some of it and maybe I won't make you suffer through it anymore. Right. She cares about it. Kind of, she wants her to assimilate. And we kind of... I mean, we have... Well, a, she says, like, you can't... Yeah, was, yeah, she's like, there's one thing you can't do, and you can't. You don't have any hands, so you can't cover your ears, so I'm going to play this... Uh, I, I couldn't catch it all, but it was her grandma's favorite song during the Civil Rights Movement or something like that. Yeah, it was like a gospel kind of song. Right. And they had kind of a clip of, you know, some peaceful protests and stuff going along with it. And it was very powerful. Um, and it was very interesting, particularly, for that to be the background music when Hank busts in and starts shooting up the place. Right. You know, he's this shooting... Very, he shoots um, and kills right away that uh, voodoo witch that initially told Laveau to, like, keep the peace with Fiona. Uh, he shoots Queenie. He is shoots the rest of the witches and is coming for Laveau. And... 
is about to shoot Laveau when Queenie pulls a sacrifice. And I think did we I think we might have even talked about this, like Queenie doing something sacrificial at one point in time. And I thought this was, a, I mean, kind of a genius idea as far as witch powers go. But an intense scene that she kills herself and thus kills Hank by, you know, blowing his brains out. And, and saves Laveau at the same time. And, of course, we have that gospel music going on in the background. And we have LaLaurie upstairs crying as she's kind of finally coming to terms with, you know, everything that's gone. And, like, finally finding her inner sensitive side and, and realizing... You know, I guess being coming enlightened a little bit. So this leads me to a few questions for you. First of all, why do you think, was it a surprise to you that Hank ended up going to Laveau's place instead of the Salem Coven? And part two, why do you think he did it? Well, after he visits um, Cordelia Cordelia and has that moment with her, we know he's not going to do it. I mean, I I was pretty certain. And he has an interaction with um, Fiona. You know, I think he knew he wasn't going to be able to do that. So the only person that could take him out was the person who was going to kill him if he didn't accomplish his task by midnight or whatever it was. And that was um, uh, Laveau's uh, um, voodoo tribe. Um, At that point, I was just, I was, I wrote down, I was like, good Lord, I'm, I'm praying that somebody gets taken out finally. And that sounds awful. But I, I, someone needs to go at this point. We've had too many characters who have come back from the dead. Someone needs to go. I mean, one of the witches needs to go. So I was hoping that he would uh, take someone out, at least. I knew he wouldn't probably last. But anyway, as far as him ending up going after Laveau's group, I I wasn't really surprised, but I was excited. I was like, okay, you know, this is kind of a, you know mixing it up a little bit. Um, obviously, I think the point of him doing this is to drive the two groups together and that's what it looks like is going to happen um the problem i have with this whole sequence is i find it a little distasteful to um to play it juxtaposed to the the civil rights movement i that just seems a little serious for them to go when we're you know everything is tongue-in-cheek and ridiculous and now we're supposed to have this moment where Lollary is having her come to Jesus moment about racism while watching uh footage from the civil rights movement and then and then playing it right next to a witch a white guy a white guy guy slaughtering a black black woman yeah I you know I'm still trying to settle on how I feel about it I get the motivation behind it you know it's emotional moment for a lot of people um it's funny, as soon as I was hoping that one of the witches would finally get taken out, I was like, well, I kind of hope it's not Queenie, though. I, I'd like her to stay around. But I'm after it happened, I'm glad it was her because she's probably one of the witches that I at least cared a little bit about. Um, she was trying to better herself and better someone else. Uh, and she had a great relationship with, Lil- with Lilari. So I didn't want her to go, but... The fact that she's gone, we have some emotion and some stakes in there. Uh, uh, that for, enough for the audience to, I hope, feel a little something um, that there is that, that there is mortality to these people. Even though, God, good Lord, if she comes back next episode, I'll. Probably I was about to ask you that. I was going to say, do you think she's gone for good? But I, I really I, hope she's I do. Gone. I think I she. Really hope she's gone. I even think she I love is. Her. I know. I know. It's I good for the story. Yeah, I think she is gone. Um, anyway, so, what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't, do you know what I mean about the racism and the civil I do, okay. It's just right. a little awkward for me. I don't know how I feel about it. I do too. So, okay. How I weigh in on these few things is, it was a surprise to me that he ends up going to Laveau's place instead of um, shooting up Cordelia's place, because I, I, I didn't think about that happening, or even really being a possibility at first, after Laveau kind of manhandles him. I thought he would have been afraid of him. But it does mm-hmm. seem like her powers kind of take time to conjure. So if you take her... By surprise, she doesn't really have anything she can do. It's not like the Salem. That's which a good is point. Boom. Fiona can just light shit on fire with the snap of her finger. She needs to right. get out the, you know, the snakes and the powders and the feathers and all this shit and like mix something together before she can really do some serious damage. And she can do serious damage, but she needs that time. So it right. makes sense why they would be easier to take by surprise. Also, I do feel like. This is part of what makes me think that he really does love Cordelia. Like you said, he goes and has that meeting with Cordelia. He is 
she says that he's drunk, which I think he. I'm thinking he probably was drinking, and yeah. he probably was like, because I think that it's the same thing as like when he was a kid. It's it's almost looking into that scope at Cordelia and thinking like, can I do this? Can I do this? And he like when he goes and meets her there in the garden or whatever, and and hugs her and stuff like that. That's like him lowering the scope and saying, I can't do it. And so that's when I think he decides, you're right, I love Cordelia, I'm not going to be able to kill her, so I'm going to have to take out Laveau instead, because she's the one who is threatening to kill me. And finally, um, when it comes to the civil rights music playing in the background of this kind of kill scene that goes on, it's very fitting, first of all, for American Horror Story, because they like to kind of juxtapose these, you know, we've had moments of people, you know, for instance, when Myrtle gets burned alive, when we have like very happy music and stuff. Like, I mean, they like to juxtapose these serious scenes with music that is a little bit disjointed, I think, to kind of create a reaction. But I also think that it was supposed to be on a, on a, on a less grand scale, not so much thinking about the whole civil rights movement happening in this mass murder scene, but just thinking about the core relationship between LaLaurie and Queenie I think that it was supposed to symbolize this moment of transcendence, like you said, for Lala Ree, where she is finally the you know coming to terms with, or, or becoming enlightened and like realizing that she's been a racist and the struggle that you know African Americans have gone through and everything like that. Of course, just as Queenie does the ultimate you know sacrifice and kills herself to save the rest of her, well, essentially to save Marie Laveau because it seems like everyone else is dead. Right. And so I think that, it, I mean, you know, Queenie created this major transformation for La Lurie just as Queenie dies. And I think that maybe the music was, uh, part of that was kind of playing this dramatic part up even more. But I agree with you. Right. I think that that was an interesting choice to do that. And I wouldn't be I surprised think... if listeners have, as, as you did, like right. really I... conflicted I worry... feelings about it. Right, exactly. That's what it, that's how I feel. And I try not to be, I mean, a lot of my flaws when I review shows and movies and stuff is I'm a little hypersensitive at times, and I'm sure our listeners notice that. (laughs) But it's just the tone changes so quickly, and all of a sudden we're having an actual historical disgraceful period in our country's life juxtaposed to a white man going and shooting up a bunch of, um, black witches it's just it just seems i don't know i i again i'm trying to figure out how i feel about it i need to sleep on this and decide where it's gonna lie or rest with me i agree right. that it you know it, it it is it's meant to be an emotional connection between the two events and also between our two characters queenie and uh lolari but yeah i don't know it's a little eh awkward to me that being said no, i was i agree moved by it but then i was kind of like judging myself for being moved and i'm like i'm not gonna be tricked <laughs> yes, exactly. No, and I know what you mean. Um, I think, yeah, people. I would like everybody. I mean, if you would like uh, to, listeners, please weigh in, send us emails, and post on Facebook, and let us know kind of what you thought of this scene. Yeah. So wrapping up the Hank storyline. So Hank dies. We assume Queenie dies. Right. Laveau survives through and, the head. Ha, mm-hmm. Get it? Yes. Yeah. Through the head. And we have. Laveau basically showing up. Why didn't at... she just shoot it, hit herself in like the arm again, or like, <laughs> or like? Well, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Why didn't she do something like to? <laughs> why did it have to yeah, be a fatal shot? In... Yeah, yeah. Shoot herself and like shoot off her trigger finger or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it now. Like, why is it a lot more here, Hank? Makes it more dramatic this way. Yeah. Yeah. The rules are hard, like in shows like this, where you want something an effect like. Uh, you know, Hank to go out in this way, but you know, when you think about the rules too much, then it kind of ruins the story for you. So I, I'm a, I'm not gonna think too hard on it. It was a it was a moving sequence. Yes, mm-hmm. and of course, the way this ends is with Laveau showing up at the Salem Coven, and we assume now. I think I mean this is even they're gonna negotiate the next. They're going to work as a team now, and so we're kind of finally filing together after their little spat and becoming full teammates here. Yep. So, um, the la- the the storyline I want to end with is the um, Jones storyline. So let's talk okay. real quickly here about the Cordelia storyline and a little bit about the Fiona Kyle thing. Um, so first of all, let's talk about Cordelia. We have a scene here when she's in the kitchen. She's cooking blind, getting Drops frustrated. She knocks stuff over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Myrtle's feeling bad for her, but Cordelia is like, 
frustrated. She wants to do stuff herself. She's a very independent woman and doesn't like that she's reliant on other people now. And we kind of get this, you know, Myrtle basically says to Cordelia, you you don't actually think I'm the one that blinded you, do you? I mean, you were like a, you're like a daughter to me. And we get this flashback of Fiona having dropped Cordelia off at Miss Robichaud's when Cordelia was very young. And Cordelia basically asking Myrtle to be her new mother. And that was weird. In a lot of ways, Myrtle <laughs> raised her. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and, and Cordelia says, of course not. You know, I've, I've always believed you were innocent and that my mother sets you up and stuff. Right. Like I don't have to use my magic to figure that out. I know you love me. Right. Um, so we establish that relationship. And we, of course, Myrtle ends the scene kind of hinting at what's coming next by saying, I wish I could give you my own eyes so you could see again. Right. So this, this I think, was the star scene of the episode, in my opinion. Myrtle is for sure. Myrtle is hosting our other two the uh, council, council members. members, and they're eating. Is it what are they eating out of that bowl? Is it like melon? Oh, it's bald melon, right? Yeah, she, and she 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 uses that little melon. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it it, it cur- cur- carves out these like little like melon baller size yeah, yeah. balls. Yeah. And it's she's like, ball. oh, what a what a lovely invention, or what a handy invention. Uh, God, she's great. Anyway, continue. Well, yeah, and they're going on, the council witches are going on about how they're impressed by Myrtle's rejuvenation, and how, you know, Myrtle's kind of talking up Misty and saying how she's so powerful, and she's the next supreme and everything like that. And the council members are saying, you know, it's so nice of you to forgive us after the, we basically indicted you and burned you at the stake. Right. And... Just just as, of course, the esophagus pretty much is like closing up of one of the witches and they become paralyzed because Myrtle has poisoned their... The melon balls. Their, the palate cleansers. She kept calling them palate because that's yes. what melon is. It's a palate cleanser in between right, meals. So she, anyway. She's she so fancy. The mel- yeah, and she had some hilarious lines in here too. Uh, when she's talking about loving key lime pie, how she's going to wait to kill him until after the key lime pie because she loves she, key lime pie. I do love a key lime pie even more than a key lime pie. She so she talks in this kind of like huffy voice sometimes where she talks like this, and it kind of reminds me when Dumbledore would talk and he talks to Harry like <laughs> this. You know, oh it's oh man, she's she's just amazing. If anyone deserves like an, an Emmy smoker. this season, it's uh, it's uh, Frances Conroy. She's I think been fantastic. She's, she's killing it. I also love the line where she said you're, about the the woman on the council, your fashion faux pas give me nightmares. <laughs> She's such a fancy lady. It's so great. Oh, oh and then she anyway. pulls the melon baller out of the out of the melons, and she thought, you guys thought I was disgraceful for actually keeping the melon baller in the thing. Well, this is, you know, and then she ends up scooping their eyeballs out. Oh, one my each. God. Just that one was each. so sick. I love oh, that. That was really gross. Yeah. So Cordelia has. I texted this, you immediately, and I was like. Is. Dude, that scene. Or like, I texted just like, yes. Yes. Oh, that was an intense scene. I didn't see that coming, but I thought it was awesome. I didn't either. Oh my God. Anyway. Whew. Yeah. That was Uh, awesome. So Cordelia gets her eyes back, and of course Myrtle basically chops up and kills the rest of the council. She said she was probably not going to kill them. I didn't think she was going to kill them. I thought she was just teaching them a lesson, because she doesn't seem like the murderous type of a person outside of when, with, uh, you know, Fiona way back in the day, but um, but it do, she doesn't seem that should be that vindictive. Obviously, the person who should be uh, taking out all her vengeance on is um, Fiona, who lied well, but and that, manipulated but, them. But Fiona's the supreme, and her power surpass you know, yeah. Myrtle. So I guess it's the only person little, she can really Myrtle's going through a little transformation. I think is what we're supposed to take from this. I would agree with that. She seems to be a little aggressive. Yeah. Um, so she kills the council. Members. She killed the council. <laughs> Fiona shows up and is kind of touched that Cordelia got her eyes back, mm-hmm. and we basically kind of have this nitpicking of Myrtle and Fiona at each other and threatening each other with different stuff. Um, uh, can we just talk about real quick about what? Yeah, okay, you're going into it. How? What, no, I, I want you to talk about it. Fiona was like, you know, well, obviously you survived the stake, but that you know the next step is I we get the council here, we can banish you. And she she kind of like Myrtle brushes it off a little bit, but then Fiona's like, we know we're gonna banish you too, and then she throws out a few places, but one of them I, I heard was New Jersey, uh, strip malls. Said, I heard strip, strip malls. malls, outlet stores. 
uh, and and Myrtle's just like disgusted by it. She she's like physically reacting to the. Oh, that it's worse idea. than it's being her... burned at the stake. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's her personal hell. That's so. I love how fancy this lady is. It's oh my gosh. Anyway, I love that scene too. I think it's kind of funny too that in this episode we get a few versions of characters' personal hell. We have mm-hmm. Lalaurie's personal hell is watching Roots, <laughs> and we have <laughs> you know a vision of Myrtle's Kurt personal Kinta, hell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, but Cordelia's pissed at them for arguing, says they need to start working together, basically. She's a little peacemaker there, yep. Uh-huh. We kind of see her taking a leadership role, and we also know that she lost her... or her. Um, now that her eyes are back, her clairvoyance is gone. But she seems a little bit disappointed out, so I wonder if she's going to like scoop her, eyes, her own eyes out later or something. Yeah, or figure a way to use that power with while keeping those eyes, maybe. Yeah. Um... And then kind of Cordelia goes to teaching Miss... This is the only time I want to know. This is the first time we've seen Cordelia teaching anyone anything for being the yeah, headmistress yeah. of the school. <laughs> Worst teacher ever. Headmistress ever. So she's teaching Misty how to uh, bring flowers back to life, which, fuck, Misty doesn't need a potion to do that. She can just touch them. So what was the... Fl- like, was that really that cool to Misty? I don't know. Maybe she doesn't know how to bring plants. She can only do, like, like bodies... Like animals, yeah, plants and or humans and animals, yeah, that's that's possibly so. But during this time, of course, Hank kind of stumbles in. He's drunk. He pleads to Cordelia to take him back, and she won't have him. She's now enlightened mm-hmm. about all his past transgressions, although she doesn't know he's a witch hunter, and she sends him off. Also, we we learn here that um, Hank was the one that tried to come and, and kill Misty in the Misty Day mm-hmm. in the swamp when in he was wearing swamp. that hood with the shotgun, yeah. So he's the one that chased her to the coven in the last episode or the episode before. Hank is a crappy shot. I Again, why are people hiring this guy? <laughs> well, it's because he's the boss's son. It's the same reason. Like That's always how it goes. The Nepotism boss's son got him sucks. He, yeah. The boss's son sucks, but he's the boss's son. What are you going to do? <laughs> so Cordelia's filing for divorce. Hank is really sad, and he runs away. Um... And also another line we just wanted to point out here, we kind of see Cordelia struggling to figure out what her role really is in the coven now. Obviously, Fiona is the supreme, and she, you know, Misty says something to her at one point like, "We're really thank, I mean, thankful for us that we have you as our leader." And she says, "Well, you know, Fiona's our leader, but Fiona might be the leader as far as powers go, but we really know that Cordelia is kind of the heart of the coven." And mm-hmm. The leader in spirit more. And, you know, we've had, I mean, even listeners who emailed us debate that still kind of think Cordelia is potentially the, the next Supreme. The next Supreme. So, yeah. and I think that's something. I, I was reading um, in an article, Entertainment Weekly recently had a really good cover story on uh, American Horror Story. And Ryan Murphy was saying in there that we're not, I don't think we're going to find out who the Supreme is till the 13th, the last episode. Wow. So they're going to keep exciting. Yeah, so yeah. that's going to be one of the well, last factors. I think. They're hinting at least uh, Cordelia isn't like out of the race. She's just like a dark horse that may or may not come to any type of fruition. But it's it's not completely ridiculous to think that she's has some a slim chance at maybe being that person. She is the daughter right. of the current Sabrine. Exactly. So I think that I think in some ways they keep, they're trying to give you uh, every option possible. <laughs> exactly. They're trying to make it seem like you you know they're, tr- they're making sure we don't know who it's going to be. Right. Yeah, and so that's kind of the uh, the end of that Cordelia storyline. For I do want to point out one thing while. that happened in this. Sorry, the uh, when they find they find the dog. Yeah, well, and that, that, he finds that, the dog. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, Hank goes up to get his his crap to take back. I was like, where did they get the dog? Well, and what does he, Hank really need to go get his possessions for? What does he have in the house that was really that yeah. valuable? Well, after he's gonna when, murder when all these witches. Couldn't he get like, it then? She knocks that box uh, down with her power. There's like she, a blanket. She, yeah, like she nothing. opens the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. Like a couple blankets. <laughs> um, but so we find out that Fiona, yeah, got a guard dog to basically sniff out potential danger. Yeah, what is she? Uh, Why did you get the dog? Uh, wait, wait, what is some? She asked something. How, how does it happen where he goes? Uh, you know, you know what line I'm thinking of. It's the one basically. Do you mean the one basically where she says like "bitches stick together"? Yeah, <laughs> in a sense. He yeah. says like, "Oh, because bitches stick together." She's like, "Yeah, no, yeah. because female females are loyal to each other and much more." Females aggressive. are more loyal and aggressive when it comes to protecting their families. Yeah, I believe was the. I'm glad that Hank yeah. got a, a one good fun 
fun liner one liner in there at some point in this show <laughs> before he's off. Yeah, uh, and then from there we get our one kind of quick moment of uh, Frank and Kyle here. Where God damn finally, it, when that door opened, her, I was like, "Shit, I forgot about him. He sucks." It's, it's taken her long enough to kind of finally stumble upon. <laughs> No, never knew he was there. No, he's like, oh, there's this guy just living in the room. <laughs> oh, I remember you. And Kyle, oh. just just like Lenny from Of Mice and Men, kills the dog. <laughs> like, yeah, but... This is it. He's the, Kyle is the worst. Kyle is the worst. But uh, I guess we're finally supposed to believe that he's kind of back up to his... Re- like, he, Fiona's fixed Fiona him. Fiona did so something, yeah. So thank God we don't have some moaning primate (laughs) ambling around anymore we see them playing cards and stuff and we get the she kind of says that he's going to be their new watchdog so Uh, he's going to kind of be their bodyguard again i still don't see a point with his storyline at all but i'm trusting that it'll something will happen yeah i'm still hoping something's gonna be gold as one of the stars this you know for a storyline is just pretty piss poor Oh, it's yeah. His storyline is by far been the worst this episode or this this season up until yeah. this point. Other than the fact that it's given us a fun thing to bitch about every episode, that's true. So. It's always fun to uh, commiserate about the bad parts of things. Ab- absolutely. So maybe that's been the point. So that's kind. Of, I mean, and that kind of wraps up the um, yep. stuff going on at the coven. The stuff going on with the voodoo witches. The last part, of course, I want to talk about is Joan Ramsey, the neighbor. Right. Um. So. We have Zoe and Madison going to the hospital to join up with Nan. The camera's doing some weird spinning shit in the hospital here. And I just want to point out that we've had a lot of moments in the hospital so far this season. And I'm thinking from when Cordelia was hospitalized and, you know, Fiona psyched up on drugs and stumbling around in the hospital. When uh, Zoe sexes to death the frat dude in the hospital. And now we're back in the hospital again. Or, and then, of course, when, um, you know, Hank's visiting Cordelia in the hospital. And this scene here where um, we have Luke in the hospital. So we have Nan waiting at the hospital to see Luke. She hasn't been able to see Luke because Joan is telling her to stay away, essentially, thinking she's a demon. She calls all the witch girls demons. Um, But Nan starts reading Luke's thoughts to Joan, and she's initially pretty freaked out by it. Thinks it's some demonic stuff. Yeah. Until Luke whispers something to Nan about a, you know the song that Joan sang to him as a child, and that kind of somehow kind of soothes her and touches her, so she starts singing the song. And of course, um, really she's quickly, because she's Patty Lapone. <laughs> I didn't think she was very good in the scene. I actually thought that like they were un- they were intentionally making her sing poorly. I was thinking like this is a oh. Broadway star, and she's like oh yeah, yeah no, and sobbing I- so. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, she's not belting it out, but it, it was it was like uh, she's a good actress, so she was still on tune, but it was not like there was no vibrato or anything. I know. I just wanted to see her bust out in some real dramatic Oh, that would be great. Secrets. Well, some like game game stuff. That would be that yeah, been awesome. Man. That would have been awesome. <laughs> um, but she changes her mind real fast about Nan after that. And like mm-hmm. is like, come home. That was really easy. Yeah, it didn't take much, but then again, she turns on her real quick here and I want to th- I think it's interesting that we kind of see the nature of um, Nan's powers manifest in how Luke is like whispering into her ear I thought yeah, that was so kind of yeah I think I it was like, kind I of a cool like visual I agree it was kind of a cool visual to let us really see how Nan's powers function so Joan sings the song she takes Nan's hand and hugs Nan and they're like oh they're they're good now because Nan is helping her connect with her son who is on the brink of death you know, Joan calls Nan a miracle um, just for basically helping her communicate with her son. And it goes from there to a shit show when Luke... Luke starts some, accusing... Luke starts accusing Joan of killing his dad. Killing Come on, husband. Luke. Like, not the time, dude. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing right now? Yeah, right now is you're, definitely you're, not... you're in a coma, man. It's all going to come down on Nan. Right. Not, not well thought out. And so Luke accuses Joan of killing her husband... Uh, because she was filing for, uh, because he, he wanted to file for divorce because he was in love with uh, book club, the book club girl who I just want to point out the name of the episode is said hey and, and, hey and what was what was going on behind that desk I'm just saying hey. so <laughs> we kind of had a tie in with every storyline here yeah and 
she poisons him or basically makes him go into anaphylactic shock by filling his car with bees, bee. which she was allergic to. And I like that she was like, while she's killing Locking him, she's it. just yeah, constantly pressing the bee. <laughs> that was so ridiculous, but it was amazing. That, yeah, that's like, it's so funny. That was, <laughs> poor guy. Every time he tries to get out, beep, beep. God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> that was that oh. was dark, dark, but that was funny. Good commercial for like, yeah. or bad commercial, depending on, like how you want to view it for auto locks on cars. Um, <laughs> so then she gets pissed and freaks out at Nan and sends her away. Uh, and of course, this episode ends with Luke waking up, accusing Joan immediately of killing the fa- or his father. And Joan moving to and suffocate crying. him with a yeah, and crying. And Joan moving to suffocate him with a pillow. So Just pulling a one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I know. Is Luke dead? That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think he's gone? Dude, I don't know. But I was like, seriously, another terrible, awful mother. Like that's all we get in with this with this uh, Re- series. No or kidding. Season. A lot of shitty mothers. I mean, the way he's dying, it would be easy for Misty to bring him back to life. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah, I would like him to be dead just so people can actually die and stay dead. Yes. In this show. Last thing I want to ask you about this storyline. Where is it going from here? Now, I mean, because we had all these theories that Joan was a witch hunter, that she was part of some religious order that was going to be trying to take out the witches. She didn't seem to know that they were witches, really. It wasn't, I mean... This storyline to this point seems kind of pointless. I mean, it doesn't really have anything to do with what else was going on. Was it just an excuse to use Patty Lapone, or do you think that she has a bigger role coming up? There, there are three questions I had when this ended. I was like, "What is the purpose of Kyle anymore?" I, I still don't understand what his purpose is. What is the purpose of Patty Lapone anymore? She obviously she's got some type of a secret, but how is that going to play into this uh, later on? She has to. But again, I, they haven't hinted at enough where I care what she is right now i'm still just kind of annoyed with her like mm-hmm. i am with kyle right um and the other the other question i had is wh- why why did myrtle really kill the council like is are we supposed to be seeing a transformation in her so those are the ones that i that i'm kind of like you know i need i need to get a few answers or, or hints at why this stuff's happening so i can feel more confident about where this is going that being said i'm super excited because as we've seen in the past two seasons you know that there's for the most part that's going to come to um, uh, ahead at some point where these these storylines will hopefully elucidate the purpose of why they did what they've done early on. What do you think? As far do you as think Patty Lupone has a reason? Patty Lu- I, no, I have no idea what the point of that storyline is going forward. And I don't even... That's the that's the, my biggest question mark moving forward is like what was the whole point of her? Because Kyle, I can see them the point of them, you know, they're keeping him around. He's going to have some sort of protector... Um, role when it comes excuse me when the witch hunters come and as for the Myrtle thing she kind of hints that the witch the burning at the stake was a transformation for her like you said and let's keep in mind when she was younger she was screwed over by I mean all her life it kind of seems like she's been screwed over by pursuing vengeance through traditional means when she is trying to pin the stuff on Fiona for killing the headmistress then when they were younger uh, you know she doesn't get I mean Spalding cuts his own tongue out, so she doesn't get justice then. And then again, she gets framed by Fiona, and the council indicts her when she's trying to hold a formal hearing to basically assert that Fiona killed Madison. So it seems like, and then she got killed for it because she was framed. So it kind of seems like now she's back and she realizes, you know, traditional means of justice aren't going to do it for me. So no prisoners this time. She's a vigilante, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She's, yeah. That'll be exciting to see how that plays out. Um, yeah, Patty Lupone, who knows? And then Kyle, you know, still kind of stuck in a boring storyline, unfortunately. Um, but I am very excited to see now what happens with... Um, and that, Well, I, I'm kind of uneasy about this. Now we're taking on the, the whole uh, witch hunting uh, organization, which yeah. it would have been nicer to have hints of that earlier on so we knew there was like this looming ultimate enemy instead of right. meeting him in episode nine which i'm assuming is going to be hank's father um, yeah mm-hmm. as head who of the wants, i'm sure he's gonna want who i'm sure is gonna want venge- like major vengeance right. for the death of hank so so now we're i don't know it would have been nicer to have more of that kind of hinted at earlier on so i really started to not you know at least care on this person one way or the other hate him or 
you know, have some sympathy towards him. But episode nine is a little late to get introduced to our uh, big bad guy, the boss. Agreed. Definitely agreed. But um, that being said, I'm excited to see all the witches team up. I was going to say, and that, that's, that's the best part of it is it'll be fun to see yeah. Laveau and Fiona and Myrtle all yeah. like, finally working together. And also, of course, to see who the Supreme's going to be. Oh, yeah. So we have that to look forward to when we get back. Kind of got break. like three weeks to wait for this, though. Ugh. Oh, I know. So we'll, we'll have some real time for everything Oof. up until that time. I know, but I'm excited for it. So let's let's keep thinking about it, and people keep posting theories and stuff like that, and we'll have a lot to talk about when we come back in January. Um, but or I guess we're getting close to the end of our time here. So to wrap it up, I mean, what do you give this episode? So I was going to give it a four point two five because I I was I was completely excited the whole episode stuff finally you know that had been a little stagnant started moving we're finally getting the witches back like all teamed up together um we hopefully and that sounds awful but hopefully lost a few characters which means the stakes are being upped and people are actually dying so that's kind of exciting that the story is progressing uh, with stakes now um mm-hmm. And also, we we have still a few. We had a few mysteries that were solved, smaller ones. But now we're gonna, you know, have the you know biggest one ahead of us, which is who is the uh, supreme, and ultimately, you know, who's gonna live and who's gonna or who's gonna survive and who is gonna die in this in this all out battle, which is destined to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So I would give this and. Because Myrtle also was super cool, um, I wanted to give four point two five. But because of that final sequence with the civil rights stuff, I just can't, in good faith, give it a four point two five. Just because the tone changed so quickly into that, and it, I don't think you can balance those in in this in episode like this. It's that was too serious and too. I don't know. It seems a little distasteful. Anyway, so I give it a four. Four out of five. What do you I like it? it. Interesting. Um, a few thoughts I have. First of all, I'm going to talk about what I didn't like about this episode because there's a ton I did like, and I'm going to go into that next. But let's start with what I I didn't like. I don't like that we don't really know where the Patty Lapone storyline is going and how we don't really see connections. But I'm holding out that there is something creative taking place there. The mm-hmm. next thing I want to say is, um, I I mean, it was nice to get a couple things resolved. Like who threw acid into Cordelia's face, and um, I think, or I think we had another. There was another. What was the other mystery we had solved? There was another one that we had solved here too. But it was kind of like it was not as satisfying as I had almost hoped it would be. You know, right. I thought well, we would. This is a throwaway comment. <laughs> yeah, it was just like it wasn't any big reveal, and I, that was even in the description of the episode. It was like we find out who threw acid in Cordelia's face and I guess it was supposed to be like a big reveal that this big corporation exists uh, yeah. full of witch and stuff but I didn't feel well, like that, that was that the other one was Hank Hank going after Misty right uh, yeah and that was the other one and that wasn't that big a surprise either really and so right. those were not very satisfying I thought in particular and so that there were kind small of, ones but I do agree with you that the stakes being raised was really um, good with some interesting deaths here I'm really it excited had to for happen. the team it did, and I'm excited for the team upcoming because I think that's going to be really awesome. And in particular, I thought that there was a lot of awesome scenes here between the kind of final dynamic we had between uh, Lalaurie and Queenie. I thought was excellent, mm-hmm. and I thought that last scene was compelling, even if it is controversial. Um, and also, I really, really, obviously enjoyed the the Myrtle scenes. I thought those were fantastic and so with all that i mean kind of compared to how i've been giving episodes recently lower scores i really like this episode overall i think there was a lot to be happy with i'm gonna give it a 4.5 so i'm gonna hit it harder than you this is our highest ranked episode i think so so that gives it a solid 8.5 yeah wow wow it was a good one i really liked it no matter how i felt about that one sequence it was it was exciting and it was fun and it was emotional. So that was something that I hadn't felt in a few episodes. So I, I really appreciated that. And yeah, it really sets us up that. well for a three-week break to be, you know, anxious to see what happens. Yeah, as they plot. Awesome. Well, that was that was well, that was a lot of fun, and I'm really disappointed that we have to wait a while. But I'm excited that we also get to uh, think about the show longer than we would if they just put it all 13 episodes straight through. So. 
I guess on that note, I hope everyone has a really wonderful holiday break here. Um, in the meantime, as always, please email us your thoughts, this American Horror Story uh, at gmail.com, and then check out this American Horror Story podcast on Facebook. Um, same thing for iTunes and Stitcher. And yeah, I mean, you have anything else you want to say before we sign out? Where uh, can people find more of your stuff this week? Uh, I'm uh, at, on Twitter at Chris Husted, and also that's my Instagram name, so you can follow me on there and see weird photos that I post. Nice. I am on Twitter at TJMoss11, and I've been live tweeting episodes. So if people want to jump in and, and join oh, that nice. with me, I'd love it. So yeah, I've maybe thought there's... about like re- like going back and doing that again, but then I worry because now I have the. Um approval or the verified account that i'll uh like, what you have a verified account no yeah, yeah. i got it through <laughs> um npr because i work for them but um but i worry that like all of a sudden if like i have like a hundred tweets every night about american horror story i i don't know people might not take me seriously maybe i have to start a new twitter handle for just for my tv show stuff <laughs> yeah because tomorrow podcast. morning i'm going to be tweeting about you know the state budget or um the affordable care act implementation or something like that yeah we need to get you just a a straight podcast twitter handle yeah (laughs) cool all right dude well have a yeah everybody man yeah everybody have a great and to our uh, listeners holiday happy holiday hauntings and we'll talk to you soon see you in january bye Oh